Greetings to those who watch below. It's the beginning of another week, and what better way to start it off than with some true terrifying poltergeist encounters. But before we get to the stories, I'd like to give a huge shout out and say a massive thank you to those who dwell below, an exclusive channel membership that you can join by checking out the link in the description box below. So thank you to Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Jess Black Curtain, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, and Christina Groves. Also, just to remind you, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, you can do by clicking on the subscribe button, making sure you hit that notification bell so that you don't miss a video. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the stories. The Dag Farm by Angelus Crudus This story is about our trip to the Dag Farm last summer. This farm is well known around the Pontiac in West Quebec for a famous poltergeist that harassed the family there in 1889. The Dag family is still a large family in the area and the graveyards around town have lots of old Dag family members buried there. I won't get into the background story too deeply here as this is about our experiences at this particular farm. Needless to say, it was quite a famous case at its time and many people travelled from afar to witness the strange goings-on at the house. There is an old movie about it at the archives in town, but it's hard to get a hold of because people always have it out. Finding the Dag Farm seems like a rite of passage for the local kids, as everyone I've spoken to about it has been there at least once. It took us four or five times to finally find the place. It is an old wooden house that is completely surrounded by large trees, which hide the house from the road. On the day we finally found the place, it was just at sunset like we planned. We had two flashlights and a patio torch that burned lamp oil. This was my first ghost hunt, and I thought that having fire would add to the mystique. The house does have a strange vibe to it. Once we crossed the trees, everything went quiet. We could no longer hear the wind in the trees or the birds singing. This place is in the back corner of a cornfield, with an intersection of two dirt roads nearby. Beyond the roads is all forest. It was unnerving for it to be so quiet, but we continued on anyway. The house has a small porch in front of what we assumed was the back door. All the wood of the house has faded from white to a pale grey now. In the first room downstairs was a big hole, where the stairs to the cellar used to be. When we shined our light down it, it was like the light was swallowed. It wouldn't reach the dirt floor, which couldn't have been more than four or five feet below us. Very strange. The walls were all exposed studs, as if someone had ripped all the old plank boards off the walls, and there was a random old metal tricycle in there too. It was faded green, and parked in the corner of the room, with its front wheel to the wall. We went up to the second floor, on very old and rotten steps. At the top, two rooms branched off, one smaller than the other. Inside, people had spray-painted silly things on the wall, but I just couldn't get my feet to take me into any of the rooms. I didn't feel like I was being watched. It wasn't a cold spot. I just couldn't do it. The worst things at the Dag Farm happened to us in the barns out back. There were two of them. One was clearly where they kept horses, complete with a hayloft on the top. The barn still had its stalls for the individual horses, with old rotting hay in the loft. 
It was very dark. A lot of rusted old tools scattered on the floor, with some newer beer cans from previous visitors. When all three of us had completely gotten into the barn, a rope, which was hanging from the ceiling between the hayloft and the barn, started to swing back and forth. It was the strangest thing I have seen in my life, as if someone had slowly pulled it back and then let it go. It was an old fibre rope. Hard to explain, but I see a lot of this kind of rope around the old farms in the area. We didn't stick around to see when or if it stopped. We got out of there. The second barn was a bit newer than the other one, but still old nowadays. It was clearly used for the tractors and farm implements. It wasn't very big, but one side had three walls with an open part at the front. The second part had four walls with a big door on the front. I walked into the dark open part, as neither of my other friends would go in after me with what just happened with the rope. To the left, there were stairs leading to the top floor. This still gives me creeps as I write this, but past the stairs, it was very dark, with just a bit of the newly risen moon shining in, and I swear, I saw something come out of the shadow and look right at me. It was just a vague outline of something darker than the darkness around it, I could clearly see the outline of a head and shoulders, and the head actually turned to look at me. I got this horrible feeling, like I shouldn't be there, and ran as fast as I could out. I didn't stop when I reached my friends, just told them to come with me, and we booked it back to the car. I have goosebumps all over my body right now, just remembering it. Unexplainable Things Happening in Our Home by Mommy7195 In the last few days, things seem to be getting weird around our home. The Sunday after Friday the 13th, my 15-year-old daughter was asleep in her room when a little stuffed bear she got from the fair a few weeks before started to make noises for no reason. It was on her dresser nowhere near her and nobody else was in the room. It woke her up and she threw it out in the hallway. When I got up the next morning, I found the bear in the living room, which is nowhere near her bedroom and couldn't figure out why. She told me what happened, and her father and I didn't believe her. Well, later that day, after they got home from school, we were in the kitchen, and the bear was in my room on the dresser, when it started making noises. It scared me a bit, because nobody was near it when it did it. It stopped and didn't do anything for a few days. Then, this past Friday night, my two-year-old nephew was over for the weekend. They slept in the living room like a slumber party. Friday night, my daughter came into my room and said the bench in the living room was moving by itself across the floor. The lights were off, but the TV was on because they were watching kids' movies. I told her to put it behind the couch and go to sleep. She did and then she heard knocking on the windows, and strangely enough, that little bear was out there because my nephew was playing with it, and it started to go off again. He never touched the button in its belly to get it to make noise. She freaked and threw the bear in my room, where it went off at around 5.30 in the morning as well. I drowned the thing in water and hung it outside on the line. I have not brought it back into the house. Sunday night we had another issue. Again, my 15-year-old daughter was in her room and was woken up by a noise and looked up 
to see her small disco ball moving. Now, the disco ball is not plugged in, and there was no breeze in her room to cause it to move. She flew out of her room crying, and sat in the hallway refusing to go back into her room. I took the disco ball out of her room and set it on the table in the kitchen. Yesterday, I swear, I heard it make some noises and move a bit. Now, I've been in this house since 2006, and have never had many strange things happen like this. I do hear voices in my living room sometimes, and when I tell my husband, he says I'm dreaming and to go back to sleep. I've sat home alone during the day while everyone has gone to school and work, and I hear things I cannot explain, things falling, and yet when I go to find out what it was, there is nothing moved. My one neighbour told us the land is part of his family's farm that was subdivided many years ago. He also told us of a few motor vehicle fatalities that had happened on the road, entering the road we live on, that happened over thirty-something years ago. We are not far from the Mohawk River either, which is where part of the French Indian War took place. There is a mansion just up the road from us that was part of that. Over the years I have heard and seen some strange things that I cannot explain here. I have a field behind my home as well, where I have seen two different people standing by the trees just looking around. One was a man dressed in Civil War looking uniform, and the other was an older gentleman who was wearing a flannel shirt and overalls. I later learned that the man in the flannel and overalls was my neighbour's father, who passed away many, many years ago. Things were calm for a few years, and then out of nowhere they seemed to be starting back in. They are scaring my fifteen-year-old, and I am concerned as to why they are bothering her and not my thirteen-year-old daughter. I'm worried because it is making her very uncomfortable, and she refuses to be alone now. The Barini Haunting Where do all the lonely people go? Where do I belong? These were the words softly uttered to Rose Barini from a little boy dressed in white, roaming her upstairs hall. This boy wasn't one of her two children, though, asking odd questions. He was not of this world. The poltergeist experiences, later named the Barini hauntings by paranormal researchers, started shortly after Joe Barini moved his wife and two of her children from a former marriage into his ancestral New England home in the late 1970s. Unbeknownst to the family then, the home had its own history of mystery which would unfold benignly at first, then into horrifying experiences that would drive them from their home in search of help. Their first otherworldly visitor was a little girl, whose voice penetrated this dimension one evening in May 1979, and declared to Rose, Mama, Mama, this is Serena. Neither Joe nor Rose knew of any girl in the family's past by the name of Serena, at least then anyway. What they did come to know soon enough was that when Serena visited them, something significant was about to happen to the family, usually of dire consequences. After Serena's first visit, their daughter Daisy went to the doctors to have her tonsils removed, except during the operation there were complications, which resulted in her heart stopping, and she nearly perished. The timing of Serena's visit and Daisy's near-death experience did not go unnoticed by the Barinis. 
Serena's visit to the family would also coincide with the stroke of Joe's grandmother and a night in November before the elderly woman passed away. Her connection to the family seems strong, as Joe remembers waking up to Serena's voice to find his wife choking next to him in her sleep. After shaking her awake, she shares with him that her ex-husband was choking her in her dream. Children seemed to be the theme early on in the Barini hauntings, and though there was a lull from late 1979 to March 1981, another child made an appearance to Rose. A little boy, dressed fully in white, was roaming her upstairs hall. Like Serena, these were not frightening experiences, and she described them to researchers as a very peaceful experience. Unlike Serena, whose mission seems to have been to warn the family of danger, this young boy seemed to be searching for an object. The boy, witnessed by Joe, was seen entering each bedroom, then settled on the floor of the hallway in search of something, sight unseen. Curious, Joe later pulled up the floorboards and found a medallion of the Virgin Mary. Through family inquiry, the Barini family learned that Joe's father, Carlos, had two younger siblings that had died in the house. There was Serena, who had passed away at the tender age of five, and a young boy by the name of Giorgio, who was gone at eight. What is interesting here is that there wasn't a family investigation into these tragedies. One child is tragic, but two is suspicious. The fact that both chose to haunt the ancestral home is very unusual. Had these children been killed? And if so, by whom? It was unlikely the older boy could have done it because he was relatively young himself. The father? Joe heard the little boy say to him on one occasion, My oldest brother is the only one who can help me. What did he mean? Help him from what? That very sentence was the beginning of the terror. It was shortly thereafter the statement that objects started to move in an unpredictable fashion, with phones flying, doors slamming shut, and objects being yanked from Rose's hands. This turn of events led the Barinis in search of spiritual help. They asked two priests to come and bless the house, which they did with prayers and holy oil. There was a quiet spell after the rituals, but it wasn't for long. The entity that descended upon them shortly after seemed straight from hell, though it once proclaimed itself a minister of God. It was a male, hunchback figure with oversized feet, wearing a black cape. It brought with him fury and intimidation, including flying objects, bookcases being moved, and eventually physical attacks. The children were hit on several occasions, but Rose took the brunt of the figure's venom. On one occasion, Rose was struck by an open freezer door, but this was mild compared to what was to come. One evening Rose was yanked from bed at night, suspended in the air, then dropped to the floor. Another night Joe was called back from work to find their bed leaping several feet in the air and Rose cowering in the corner with a crucifix. The final straw was a carving knife jammed into the kitchen table. The Barinis left the house and again sought spiritual help. The second exorcism seemed to work as the hauntings vanished. It was at this point the family welcomed the Psychical Research Foundation to investigate their claims. 
Knock, knock, we are in the closet, by Diana. We moved to Fort Hamilton in Brooklyn, New York, in May 2006, and we left there in April 2008. During the time that we lived there, we had several things happen in our apartment. I'll begin with the very first encounter I had. We moved into our apartment only 24 hours after we arrived, because it would save money. We couldn't have our dog in lodging with us, and we knew we would be fine just sleeping on air mattresses for a few days. The next morning I got up and decided to get a shower and get ready to run some errands. I was in our bathroom drying my hair at the very back of the apartment when I felt two tugs on the back of my shirt. I expected to see my five-year-old daughter standing there when I turned around, and to my surprise, no one was there. When I got done, I went out into the living room, where my husband had both kids and our dog playing on the floor. I took my husband aside and asked him if either of the kids had come into our bedroom, and he said no. Why? So I told him, and he just looked at me and said, Already? I said, I guess they just wanted to get my attention. After that, I was fully aware of what else may happen, and I rarely questioned anything out of the ordinary. We had knocks on the door, with no one waiting to come in. Whenever someone knocks on my door, my dog lets out a grunt, instead of a full-blown bark, unless they ring the doorbell. There were several instances of hearing someone knock at the door, and she'd be grunting away, but when we opened it, no one was there. Me or my husband would look to see if anyone was outside or running down the stairs playing a prank on us, and we never found anyone. Then there were times where she'd be laying on the floor and something would catch her eye, and she'd stare and move her head like she was following someone walking around, and then look at me as if to say, you can't see that. It was a little unsettling, especially when she watched it move, and it appeared to go behind where I was sitting. The strangest thing that went on was the knocking on my headboard or nightstand, right before it sounded like everything in the closet fell off the shelves at once. This never happened when my husband or kids were home. I thought I was dreaming the first time it happened, because it seemed weird like my dreams often are. But when it happened again and again, I knew that something else caused it. It was either in our bedroom, walk-in closet, or the hallway closet right outside our bedroom. It was four or five months after we moved in when this happened the first time. I had gotten the kids off to school and went to lie back down for a little while. I didn't know how long I was asleep, but I was awoken to the sound of someone knocking on my nightstand right next to my head. It jolted me awake, and I looked around my room, and no one was there. Then it sounded as if everything came crashing down from the shelves to the floor of my closet. I jumped up and ran in there, and everything was in its place. Nothing had been disturbed. So, I went through the rest of the closets in the apartment, and everything was okay. I didn't know what to think of it, but I chalked it up to one of my strange dreams or really noisy neighbours. I told myself it was nothing. Then it happened again, right after we rearranged the bedroom. Again I was woken up to the sound of knocking on wood, but it came from my headboard this time. Just like before, it sounded like everything in my closet came crashing down. I go in there to check, and nothing's out of place. This time it shut me up a little, so I called my husband 
and asked if he could come by the apartment. He was on patrol, and wasn't busy, so he came straight home. I explained what I heard, and told him this was the second time it happened. He took a look around and came up with nothing. What could he have done anyway? Shoot at something you can't see? Things were quiet for a couple of months, with no new experiences at all. Then, one morning, about a week before my brother-in-law passed away in September 2007, I was woken up to the sound of knocking again, but this time it was very loud and came from my headboard. It made my bed shake. I sat up and looked around, and then came the crashing sound, but it came from the hallway closet outside our bedroom. We had luggage, rubber maids, kids' sports equipment, coolers, and all kinds of random stuff stacked up in there and it sounded like everything fell into the closet door. When I finally got the nerve to go look, nothing was out of place. Now, it was more of an annoyance than anything, like they were playing a game with me or something. Like most of the past incidents, I was the only one at home, except for the dog. We got our orders to move, and got everything set up for the 2nd of April 2008. I was wondering if I was going to have anything else happen before we left, or if it would continue to be quiet. I got my answer, the day before the movers came. The kids were at their last day of school, and my husband was out processing, so I was trying to sleep a little longer. I always get restless before we move, and I don't sleep real good to begin with, so I figured I'd rest up while I had the chance. Yeah, that didn't happen. I heard the knocking on my nightstand, I didn't even bother getting up. Then came the crashing in my closet. All I could think was I should have expected it. Objects are disappearing by Gabs781 My girlfriend and I decided to move in together after several months of dating in an apartment building on the first floor. As soon as we slept in the first night, we found the apartment very relaxing and peaceful, as we had already been experiencing poltergeist activity in my girlfriend's previous apartment. The place was just abnormally quiet for a town that is known for loud parties. Personally, I never believed that this place was haunted, and really didn't believe in ghosts until the experiences started to occur on a frequent basis. The first thing that I started to notice was that objects started to disappear, I specifically remember putting down my debit card on top of my desk with some sludge change and my other cards, and when I woke up the next morning, my debit card was nowhere to be found. It wasn't on the floor, in another room, in another bag. We looked for several hours and could not find it. My girlfriend and I gave up and thought that I might have just dropped it somewhere, which could be a logical explanation. Out of nowhere, we noticed a second thing had gone missing my girlfriend's headset which she needed for work, as we worked for customer service over the phone. We let it go for a second time, and thought yet again it might be somewhere else. Unfortunately, this was only the beginning. The activity that revolved in our apartment seemed to be revolving around stealing some of my identification cards or certificates. My girlfriend and I wanted to buy a new couch, but we needed to have a credit check with two pieces of ID so we decided that we could grab my birth certificate. Yet again, this was nowhere to be found, when we specifically remember putting it somewhere very safe. 
we decided that we could always use my passport for identification purposes, but when we looked for it, it was also gone. At this point, me and my girlfriend did not know what to think, because we had just seen my passport on the desk, and we ensured we would not lose it like all previous objects. Again, we looked for 45 minutes, and couldn't find it. We looked in one of our desks. The first time we looked in it, it wasn't there, and when we looked the second time, it was perfectly placed in the middle of the drawer. I instantly took it, and as I took it I realised that it was very cold, as if a spirit had actually taken it and placed it in the drawer where it would be safe. The strange part is that none of us actually moved the passport, as we were both sitting in our living room. We have experienced things such as feeling spiderwebs in our hair where there is nothing, abnormal splashing sounds in the windows when it's not raining and we're in the middle of summer, strange orbs floating around, cell phone alarms going on and off when the batteries are pulled out and the alarms are turned off. Welcome to the new apartment. Hi there guys, thank you so much for listening to today's stories. I really hope you enjoyed them. If you did, make sure to hit that like button. And also, if you haven't already, subscribe to the channel, making sure to hit that notification bell so you know when the next video goes live. So, until next time, sleep tight. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.